0: Ron and Anian. I um, said to the boys as we kicked off today's show, I said, you know, I kind of feel like the Blues Brothers with that scene where we've got two packs of cigarettes, we're wearing sunglasses, it's dark out, hit it. Well, I got two hours of radio time, I've got an awful lot to say, I want to talk about stupidity and auto repair. more than you can do what can you The Car Doctor. Do America a favor. You want to put everybody in a better mood? You bring your car to a repair shop. Put gas in the tank. It really would be a wonderful experience.
1: Welcome to the radio home of Ron Anian, The
2: Car
0: Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now.
1: More catalytic converters so it'll run good on regular gas. What do you say? Is it the new Bluesmobile or what? Here's Ronnie.
0: Hey, come on in. Sit down. Ronnie and, and the Car Doctor at your service at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor hotline is 24-7. That means if this radio show is not here on the airwaves. And we are live Saturday afternoons 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time as we begin our trek across America's radio network here starting Saturday afternoons 2 to 4 p.m. for the rest of the weekend as we are out on 80-some-odd affiliates, 80-some-odd markets, and uh, different times, different places. If we are not here, leave a message at 855-560-9900. And Fast Harry, our executive producer, will call you back and get you in the lineup for the next time we're here live so we can talk to you on air. and. We'll be gentle, promise, and we just want to do it that way because we like to do it that way because it helps educate everybody about cars and their problems and what's going on because it sure is an ever-changing, evolving animal. I had the pleasure this week. Can I tell you a story? You have a minute? And I'm sure you do because you're here with me now. I had the pleasure this week of of beginning the, the springtime educational lectures and seminars, as I call it, courtesy of the folks at Bywise Auto Parts here in New Jersey, and a great organization. They they've really got their act together as far as trying to help the professional installer. And they start they begin in March, they begin their their series of seminars, their annual monthly seminars for professionals to to you know, come to class and, and, and get an education. And it was it was great. It's 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 always a good time and I, I always enjoy them and um this month was a particular favorite and I'd have been looking forward to it for some time and I I I sort of think maybe I had something to do with it because in the past Ryan, um one of the owners had always said, Ron, what would you like to see? And it? Gee, I'd love to see a class on reflashing, you know, because as much as you know, there's always something else you're gonna learn. You're always gonna pick up something. I learned a lot at this week's class. I really did, and I'm 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 not afraid to admit it. Um I learned that I can't talk is the first thing probably. Uh, I, I shouldn't speak at these things because a true story. Before I tell you the real reason why I'm telling you this story, but it's kind of it, it kind of just you know a, a day in the life of the radio guy, right? Um, I'm sitting on the aisle like I always do, and Bob, the owner, one of the other owners, is coming down the aisle and he's doing the meet and greet and kissing the babies and saying hello to everybody. And he got to me and he shook my hand like we always do. I always enjoy talking to Bob. He's a good guy, and a very knowledgeable, very in support of the industry. And out of the corner of my eye, the the young gentleman sitting next to me, um, Jake, I believe it was Jake's Auto Repair, I think he's in West Orange, New Jersey, he's listening to the conversation Bob and I are having, and I could see the corner of his ears, out of the corner of my eye, I can see the corner of his ears kind of pick up when I started talking. And after about a minute, he turns and he looks at me and he goes, Ronananian? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, wow, hey, do you know who this is? This is the car doctor. And Bob, the owner, was just, wow, look at this. And I said, yeah, don't tell anybody. We don't want anybody to know. But it's, it's interesting and it's refreshing to see that this radio show is reaching the professional. And in some way, shape, or form, you know, nothing says you've made it better than acceptance by your peers. And I'm real proud of the fact and happy with the fact that my peers listen. They may not always agree with me, and that's okay. I get that. And I'm not always right. I get that, too. But it's nice to know that you're doing some good, that, you know, people are listening. So the evening went on, and this evening was about reflashing, computer flashing, doing updates to computers, changing software. And the other thing that I learned Wednesday night was out of the 121 some odd mechanics that were in the room and shop owners, and they all were saying the same thing. It was interesting, because I go to classes to listen, not really to talk. The business in the last six months to a year has consistently become brakes, tires, oil changes, an occasional trans service, cabin filter, air filter, wiper blades, fuel system cleaning. And that was kind of it. I didn't hear anybody talking about their changing power steering racks on a regular basis. I didn't hear anybody talking about. They're doing a lot of shocks and struts anymore. Exhaust work didn't even come up in the conversation. Yeah, you know, that car that's 12, 15 years old or older, sure, that's back in the heyday of what auto repair was when you were doing things much more mechanical. And it seemed very fitting that this conversation was going on about how it's changed and how it's changed so fast. And it has. And it's its rolling forward with a ferocity like I've never seen, and I think I'm on the edge of that change that 100 years from now, they'll be talking about the years 2014, 15, 16, 17, when the automobile industry changed because, you know, back in the 14, 15, 16, back in that era, did you know they drove cars on the ground and they didn't fly? And that's what they'll be saying based on what I was hearing at class Wednesday night about how the car is evolving, about how it's changing. And to that point, they were talking about computer flashing. It also made me feel like the old guy in the room because I sat there and I, as as I sat around and everybody around me, wow, you need a different computer for every manufacturer and you need to buy this scan tool and you need that scan tool and you need, and yeah, and I kind of joined in the conversation at that point. Listen, I've got a laptop for every manufacturer. I've got five laptops in the shop. Uh, you know, six desktop computers, and you know this is the business today. And clearly, for the independent repair shop to survive, if if they can't embrace refresh technology, I don't know that they're going to make it. And it's become that obvious and that critical. and And steps are being taken. There are some changes coming in model year twenty seventeen where they're going to revise and the revisions are already underway. There's a protocol out from the SAE, Society of Automotive Engineers, J2534. You hear me buzz right through it sometimes here on the show, where I'll say, yeah, it's J2534. J2534, if you Google it or if you want, the, it is a protocol standard set by the Society of Automotive Engineers that will allow anyone with proper equipment to reflash and update vehicle computers. And now we're hearing much more information. They'll be able to do more. And J2534 has been around a long time. This is nothing new. It's the changes where they're going to evolve it past just emission control devices and take it to the next level of of, of being able to do body modules and other things. And in, in in a sense, leveling the playing field a little bit, but also giving the independent shop the opportunity to compete at dealer level if they're smart enough to take them up on it. The bottom line Wednesday night that I walked away with was it really is an exciting time to be a mechanic, and it really makes me proud, prideful, is that the word, that, you know, what what makes the independent repair shop market stand out in my mind is they're innovators. They're always thinking. They're always working against the clock, the odds, and difficult tasks at hand. And, and some of the smartest people I've ever met were independent repair shop mechanics because they think outside the box. They're not programmed to do one model. Of course, I've got to also say some of the biggest idiots I've ever met are independent repair shop mechanics. And I can say that about dealer mechanics and, and chain store mechanics too. It's, it's just a question of, it just seems like there's something about that breed of independent repair shop. The guys that are successful, the guys that have been doing it and succeeding and growing, and not the guys that are in it for three to five years, and they're posers and they're out, that it was interesting to hear the remarks around the room. And in the end, I think the majority of them left with the feeling like, hey, you know what, I can do this. It's not that difficult a task to do. And that's important, because whether you realize it or not, you take away the independent automotive repair shop industry out of this country of ours, and not only is it a blow to the economy, in terms of all that they support by being there. But it's also a blow to you being able to get your car fixed and get it fixed correctly and within some kind of reasonable time frame. It's exciting to watch technology move forward. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy in the car doctor here, 855 Here to take your calls and answer your questions. As a matter of fact, um, Tony, this week, tell Harry I've decided because spring's coming, Let's try a little experiment, and I shouldn't say this too quick, but everybody that calls today, everybody, we're going to give away a Car Doctor t-shirt, all right? We have we have a fresh stock of Ronanini and the Car Doctor t-shirts in, so everybody that calls the show today during live hours, 2 to 4 p.m. this Saturday afternoon, we're going to be giving away a Car Doctor t-shirt, so just be prepared. If you do call in at 855-560-9900, have your, you know, we, we're going to need a, a mailing address and uh, an email so we can contact you quick if we have to. But uh, be prepared to give that to Harry as well. That'll uh, load Harry up a little bit today, and I'm sorry, H. But uh, let's get it done. Let's get some T-shirts out there to the public. The car doctor will return right after this to kick the garage doors open. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back. Ron meeting the car doctor on his own highway here as we continue this hour of Car Doctor. And let's get over and talk to Mike, Massapequa, Long Island, and a 2014 Dodge Durango. Mike, this truck's too new to be broken. What's going on here?
3: Yeah, you're not kidding. Um, well, uh, I guess about two weeks ago, I went out to start the car. The car did start, but the wipers uh, were on. I thought we had left them on. It turns out that the um, the signal stock, the completely frozen everything that and associated with it not working a uh, little bit further checking into it the heated steering wheel wasn't working the wiper washes weren't working blank spot monitor was off just check engine light was on traction control light was on and um mean, mean just generally you couldn't drive the thing
0: right so you took it back to chrysler because it's a new truck and it's under warranty and what'd they do
3: Yes, I did, and the first thing they they did was basically just pull out a ten amp fuse that they told me which one they pulled it out they put a new fuse in, and but they couldn't duplicate any reason why and sent me home okay <laughs> went home, parked the car, started the car. everything went crazy again all all the same items occurred, all the same failures went right back this time they held the car for uh you know, four or five more days and, and they did a um Steering control module, I believe they called it, right, as well as the fuse, and at that point, took the car, went home. It happened again, exactly the same things occurred a second time. So, cars with them um, a third time, and uh, I'm not sure if I put this on my email. Cars was with them a third time as I went right back, and this time they said they found a um, a wire somewhere in the steering area. That had worn off the uh, insulation, so they put some heat shrink sleeving on it, and uh, I got my fingers crossed that this is going to hold. I picked it up yesterday afternoon. I haven't had an issue yet,
0: and that sounds and that sounds reasonable. You know, the only other thing I'm aware of that they're having problems with the steering modules on those trucks, but I would assume at this point they're past it because they replaced the module is going back about a year and a half ago, Chrysler issued there was a a service campaign and recall campaign, P64, regarding the steering control module where they were updating the software. They were having problems with it. About 130,000 vehicles were affected, if memory serves me correct. And it it was a software problem, not a hardware issue. So, and, you know, listen, I feel your frustration. I really do. You know, the problem is it's intermittent. If if you were calling to say hey Ron how would I diagnose it you know the first thing you've got to try and do is can you duplicate it and if you can't duplicate it then you've got to do what they did and go back over the harness piece by piece by piece and look for the rub mark look for the wear mark um not completely uncommon so how did they treat you overall though Mike well <laughs> you know just
3: like a a cattle in the herd the I mean, first time I called them, they said they couldn't get the car in for a week. Uh, But I did have some relationship with one of the tech writers there, and I called her, and she said, just just bring it in. Bring it in tomorrow morning, do a night drop-off. So I was able to get it in. I'm not sure it actually got looked at any more quickly, but at least it wasn't in front of the house, you know, upsetting Uh, anybody.
0: Yeah, annoying you looking at it, right, because it's still broken. Yes. You know, listen, I'll tell you what, real quick story. There's something with Chrysler of late you're not you're you're clearly not one of the only people I've heard from with a newer Chrysler product with low mileage it's having issues. We had a customer at the shop and Rick just purchased a brand spanking new 2016 Dodge pickup truck. Uh, the truck had six hundred and fifty eight miles on it and it developed a check engine light and a misfire on cylinder two. He stopped by because he wanted me to look at it and I said Rick it's it's brand new. like what are we doing here? Uh, you know, misfire fire on two. We sent them back to the dealer. I heard from him a few days later. Evidently, one of the rocker arms pulled out of the cylinder head, and he's got to get a whole new engine from Chrysler. 658 miles. Uh, you know, uh, it's wow. Chrysler's got some quality control issues. I've got to say it. Uh, I'm seeing them go through some meltdowns here and there. And, yes, I do see problems at GM and Ford and Toyota and Honda but not at 658 miles. I don't see those failures. I don't see problems on 2014 Chevys at 10,000 miles where they're rubbing through wiring harnesses. Does it happen? I'm sure it does. It just seems like Chrysler's going through a bit of a rough patch right now, and I'm not sure why. I I see Chrysler playing a lot of catch-up. Uh, with the industry hey i'll tell you what mike um stay on the line make sure harry gets your information we're going to send you out a ron and any in the car doctor t-shirt as our way of saying thanks to you for being part of the car doctor nation and maybe that'll soften the blow and uh, we appreciate you being one of our listeners and uh let's see if that can help you out give harry your information let's get over to line two and talk to larry rialto california larry how are you today sir
2: hey Ron, how you doing good what's going on good i called last week i I got the uh, the '93 Toyota truck. I called right. last week about okay. it. Right. Yep. 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 And uh, I I since did a compression test, and cylinders um, one, two, and three were all at roughly 197 to 200 psi. Right. N- number four was at 185. So this morning I went in and I I uh, adjusted the valves. They were a little tight on number four, so I readjusted them. I re- I adjusted them hot as well. Right. And uh, I read. I did a double check again on the compression. They're all roughly at 200 psi now. Okay. So you, I guess my question is, where do I go from here? Do you, do
0: you do you still have the miss? I
2: still have the miss.
0: Is it still on cylinder? It was two, right? Which cylinder? Uh, no, cylinder?
2: cylinder number four was the one that was the, the lower compression.
0: Okay. So the so the compression. Yeah. Which cylinder had the misfire, though? Or you don't have the ability to tell that, do you?
2: No, I don't know. That's the problem.
0: Well, can we do since this is a '93, and you know a pretty basic animal? Can we at this point do some cylinder power balance analysis? Get a pair of spark plug wires and pop a plug wire off one by one and see which cylinder provides the 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 greatest amount or the least amount of drop? Can we kind of go through I, I that? I could do that. Okay, but be careful. What you want to do is if this this should have an idle air control device on it. You want to disconnect it so that it's at base idle and it doesn't change. And then maybe bump the idle speed to about 800 RPM, either with a stick on the gas pedal or with the base idle screw. Disconnect the EGR valve, because it should have one, and pop spark plug wires off one by one. Let's see which one changes. Hey, Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, we're coming up next with Steve Cook. Don't go away. Welcome back, We're on the inning of the Car Doctor. You know, our our next guest started out as a caller, and I, I've really enjoyed developing this relationship with Steve Cook over the past year because he's got so much to say, and he's so spot on about what this industry was, is, and becoming. And I suppose, as his as his position of being an automotive instructor uh, in the northeast, northwest, and all different places uh, over the years. That helps, but he works with young people, and he sees what's up and coming, and sometimes when I talk to him, he tells me he's afraid, and sometimes he tells me he's proud. I'm not sure which way he's going to be today, but um, always good conversations. Mr. Cook, welcome back aboard, sir. How are you?
1: Hi, Ron. How are you doing?
0: All right. I couldn't be better. Um, good. Interesting email that you, you sent me here talking about two things that started out. Of, uh, recruiters are going to VoTech schools to try and convince students and parents to enroll in their school. And uh, you mm-hmm. want to you want to talk a little bit about that, about your observations, about where you see the trades going, and where they've come from.
1: Right. Well, one of the things I was I was trying to tell you in the email is, this time of year, being an automotive instructor, I would see a lot of recruiters coming in from uh, from different technical colleges and that, and of course they're trying to get the kids to go to their colleges and and continue their education, which is fine. But I've learned a lot of things over the years from observing and stuff like that and I got some tips that might you know might help uh, your listeners particularly if they got you know kids that are getting ready to go off to college in the next couple of years or or what have you
0: sure go ahead what do
1: you got? okay, you can hear me all right oh yeah, absolutely because I'm getting all kinds of garble on this end okay um first off if you got someone going to school in the next couple of years it's 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 very, very important that they get the absolute best grades they can, uh, A's and B's across the board. And there's really, a, there's really a good reason for this, and this is one of the main things I want to talk to you about, is there is grant money out there for people to go to school and scholarships and, and trade schools, too. But there's qualifications that have to be met for those. And a lot of those are grade-related, attendance-related, those kind of things. And uh, a lot of people don't know this, Ron, but outside of Pell Grants that the government supplies, there are plenty of private sector grants and scholarships available out there. And a lot of these kids can darn near go to college for free if they just put forth the effort to apply for
0: them. Steve, do you think that the demand for young people to go to trade schools is increasing is there more of a reason they would want to go at this point versus going to a traditional four-year college
1: oh yeah yeah i i look at it this way you go to a four-year college you get out maybe you go in for accounting or something you come out and you can't find a job being an accountant i can go to a um, technical college go for two years come out with an associate's degree in automotive technology and go to work, you know, in the automotive industry, you know, repairing automobiles or something along that line. Or I can take a two-year course in welding, which is what uh, one of my, my uh, cousin's husband did. And he's out there now. He's been out as a welder for two years, and he's making – he's pulling down like $80,000 a year. And it cost him anywhere. It cost him about. He went to a to a local college, a community college. So it cost him about about twenty grand.
0: Not a bad, not a bad return on investment, right? Versus the no, kid that is. goes to a a four year school, spends two hundred grand on an education, and they're they're thirty five before they've paid that debt off. In some cases,
1: yeah, if they ever pay it off, right? But I mean, you know. The, the grant money's out there, and what I want, to, want people to understand is you just got to go look for it. If you ask a lot of these colleges or trade schools that you go to what grants are available, they're going to just point you to a Pell Grant, and then they're going to bury you in debt with, with student loans. So if, you, if, if you're going to college, you need to start digging for this stuff now. I'm looking at, in front of me right now, I have a federal mogul grant, a $2,500 scholarship for the sixteen seventeen school year, okay, they're going to award 12 of these. The application process isn't that bad, you know, and you'd be surprised. They might not even fill all these 12 spots up that they got.
0: Do you see you – know, how long have you been teaching, Steve? Let me ask the question this way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You, how, how many years have you been teaching?
1: Uh, five.
0: Okay. How many years – Actually, you,
1: six, sorry. How,
0: how many years are you in the industry? <laughs>
1: Uh, about
0: twenty-five. <laughs> so, do you see the demand for technicians now stronger than when you started in the industry, or do you see it weakening the demand?
1: I well, let me let, let me let me put it this way: I see the demand for strong for for for, for good high-quality technicians. I see the demand for them growing. You know, so. I see demand for them, yeah, but it's like you're saying earlier too. A lot of stuff we're getting to where, you know, the cars nowadays are so much better built, and you know, we're not we're not seeing quite as much demand as we had at one time. But there's still, we still are, we we still need a lot of technicians out there.
0: So, well, and, but, but we're
1: looking for quality people is what we're looking for.
0: And we almost need that kid that can graduate a four year college with a degree in some cases mechanical engineering and, mm-hmm. and, and other mm-hmm. electronic engineering because uh, the vehicle is getting to be so complex mm-hmm. that uh, it's, it's just a constant evolvement. And then I always wonder, you know, at what level will the motoring public accept it? And, and, and how will they accept it? You know, it's it's auto repair. I've looked at it, and I think there's probably seven or eight different regions of auto repair around the country when I start to divide things up in my head, you know, northeast, southeast, and so mm-hmm. on. And, and different problems face mechanics and technicians and consumers in those regions. And right. at, at some level, you know, I, I went to class Wednesday night. I don't know if you heard the open of the show. I went to class Wednesday night, and they are talking about computer reflashing. And mm-hmm. we we're, were discussing the costs involved with computer reflashing, both for the mm-hmm. consumer and the technician. And an average computer reflash in in North Jersey dollars is 150 bucks, parts and labor. And they talk about it in class, like, "Yeah, that's not a problem. Everybody will want to do that." And you <laughs> know, the, the the very next day, my first customer at the counter. I reminded him about the third brake light that hasn't been working in his car for the past two years, and it's not a bulb, it's an LED board.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a Toyota, and it's some $300 worth of third brake light. <laughs> I don't want to fix that. Uh, you know, yeah. even against the possibility of a ticket, and my point is, the technology is great, and all the things you and I talk about are true, but what at what point does the consumer accept it, and will they accept it, and, you know, force its hand. In Bergen County, if the gas tank's empty and the ashtray's full, they want to get rid of the car. In, right. in southern Florida, in southern California, in Texas, and in, in Oklahoma, and other places around the country, it's all different responses from what I see in here. I have people that call from Virginia. They've got nine cars, and they're 35, 40 years old, and they're still driving them. They don't care. They don't yeah. want to buy a new car. They're going to keep it going. They've, they've yeah. got a real fix-it mentality, which is great. It's it's a can-do attitude. And I just wonder, you know, where is this going to take us?
1: Well, my opinion is this. it's uh, We've been teeter-tottering back and forth between the price of a new car and the price of repairing them, you know. One tends to go a little higher than the other and back and forth and back and forth. So the thing that I look at and I've seen a lot of is people – We'll live without a third brake light. But when it comes time for them to start walking, they'll get their ride fixed. <laughs>
3: yeah, <they'll>,
0: yeah <laughs> You know they'll, what I mean? That'll that'll change real quick. Hey, Steve, I'll tell you what, sit tight. Stay on the side for a couple of minutes. Let me pull over and and, and take this pause for the cause, as we say. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. Ron Annie in the car, Dr. Steve Cook, Cincinnati, Ohio. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Well, I mean, the car here. We're talking to Steve Cook, an automotive instructor and fast becoming uh, one of the car doctor's personal favorites from Cincinnati, Ohio. And we're just having a general conversation. Mr. Cook, you're still there. Yes, sir. Um, you know, when we took the pause, Steve, we were kind of talking about grants and scholarships and the value in an automotive education. Let's shift gears if we can in the, in the time we've got left. The EPA is trying to, and I, they're going to be successful, it's not that they're trying to, they're removing cleaning agents from gasoline. And there's conversation that, you know, model year 2017, model year 2018, or calendar year, I'm sorry, 2017, 2018, you're going to see this become reality. Will there be no more cleaning agents in gasoline? Uh, you know, your experience as a technician, as, as an instructor, how important are these detergent additives right now?
1: Well, think about how they got in here to begin with. We had fuel injected vehicles came out and the car manufacturers were asking the petroleum industry to clean up the gasolines to remove the you know, reduce the carbon buildup, things of that nature, help keep the injectors flowing cleanly like they should and everything. And that's why stuff was put in there to begin with. It helps the car run cleaner over the long run. You can take a brand new car, not have those additives in it, and run it, and yeah. It's going, to, it's going to produce a little less emissions out the tailpipe. I grant them that. But what happens when that car, and you've got these direct-injected cars that you and I both know.
0: They're a problem.
1: Uh, have a problem with carbon yeah. buildup. Oh, in that. boy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What happens when that car gets 15,000, 20,000 miles on it without those detergent additives? The cars are going to be missing. They're going to be doing what have you. They're going to be polluting a the, polluting the whole heck of a lot more than if they left. The detergents in it, and this is why I was telling you. You know, these guys at the EPA that, that decide to do this stuff—they're educated idiots. I mean, I'm, there's no other way to put it. It's just dumb, and it's going to wind up costing car owners a whole lot more money to fix this problem, and if they would have just left it alone, and it's not going to make the air any cleaner at the end of the day.
0: Well, and I, I, I think, too, that if they were taking the detergents out of the gasoline and then said, okay, and to really solve the problem, we're not going to let companies exist that make fuel detergent cleaners and detergent additives and, and so forth. We're going to get rid of them, too.
1: Now that's next.
0: <laughs> well, maybe, and maybe I shouldn't say it because, you know, we we we're on in the Washington market, and we, we're, I'm sure we've got some government listeners. But you know, you, you just wonder what they're thinking. Uh, well, I
1: don't. I don't know. I I I just don't think they're thinking. But how many people in the American public are gonna are gonna put up with every thirty forty thousand miles having to have the cylinder heads yanked on a car? get the carbon off the valves because the engine's missing
0: yeah we're going backwards i mean we did that back in the 60s and the 70s here we go again yeah Uh, yeah i mean
1: that's that's the way things were i mean this 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 whole thing is just people need to call their congressmen and they need to start raising some holy you know what because this is going to hit their pocketbooks something awful yep now i have an opinion as to why they're doing this and i you know, I'm not going to say it on the air because they might pull your license for it. <laughs> mm. But uh, I have my opinions as to why they're doing this. But the bottom line is, people, you better call your congressman and you better scream on the top of your lungs that they need to stop this and stop it now. Because uh, <laughs> it's going to cost you a fortune if you don't.
0: Steve Cook. Always always a, always, a great interview, always a great conversation. Listen, stay on the line. Let Harry get some information from you. You qualify as a caller today, so we're going to be sending you out a Ronanini in the Car Doctor t-shirt. You'll do us proud if we could oh, see wow. you wear it. All right, sir? Well,
1: thank you very much.
0: You're very welcome, Steve. Hang in there, and uh, we'll be talking again real soon. I'm Ron Annie in the Car Doctor. I'm back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Indian, the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900, the Car Doctor's 24-7 number. Anybody that gets on the air with me today, um, well, this hour is almost over, but next hour, anybody that gets on us, gets on the air with us next hour, uh, we'll be giving out a Ron and Indian, the Car Doctor t-shirt. So uh, just a little incentive. We would like to hear from you. And uh, if you can get on the air and get in. Um, You'll be having something nice to wear come spring as we're uh, trying to help celebrate and promote springtime cruising and walking and driving and all kinds of fun outdoor activities. Um, Had a Nissan this week. I just want to touch on this before I go. Had a 2012 Nissan Altima this week that required a throttle body cleaning. And as a result of that, as I've been talking about for a while after the throttle body cleaning, it was mandatory that I had to do a throttle relearn because the throttle position had to be reset. It learned a new position, otherwise the computer would set a fault code. And sure enough, launched to the rescue again out of the 18 scan tools in the shop. The X431 and even the newer, the Pad 2, both had the capability to do a throttle relearn on that 2012 Nissan Ultimate. It made me just sit there and scratch my head and say, it's so easy for some scan tool manufacturers, I can't figure out why the rest don't do it. Now, I told you that story so I could read this email. Ron, or I'm sorry, it starts out with Harry. Can you ask Ron where to get a launch scanner? <laughs> um, this comes to us from Mike in Montgomery. Um, can you get one from the company or from Snap-on or Mac Tools or Harbor Freight? Uh, let me answer the first part first, Mike. The uh, you know you can get a launch scan tool from a variety of places. There's uh, if you if you Google launch, you'll find them out on the web. I believe it's LaunchTechUSA.com is the main website launchtechusa.com uh, primarily you will find launch scan tools from a variety of sources mac tools I'm not sure about matco definitely not snap-on uh, as snap-on has their own scan tool they're 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 peddling but uh, mac or matco um C- cornwell cornwall cornwell I think is another uh, truck uh, tool truck guy that's uh, out there on the open trade but um, if you go to launchtechusa.com they will be glad to tell you uh, where their dealers and distributors are, because I also know they maintain a uh, a fleet of, or not a fleet, but they, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They they maintain dealers and uh, national salesmen. So uh, you can find one that way, launchtechusa.com. That trade show coming up in New Jersey, it open to the public. You know, Mike, I don't think that it's not open to the public. That's a question for them. I would get out and I would Google the AASP NJ trade show coming up at the Meadowlands in uh, Secaucus, New Jersey. And a matter of fact, we're going to be there. I should point that out, March 19th. Um, I guess that's uh, two weeks from today. Uh, we're going to be down in the Meadowlands doing this radio show live from the uh, floor show. But if you want to get out to aaspnj.com, look them, or not.com, but Google AASPNJ, uh, the trade show in the Meadowlands, and uh, you can look up and see what registration requirements are. I don't think they deny the public, but I don't know that it's necessarily a show for the public if you follow what I'm meaning. So, um, you know, you can look forward to that. And uh, I appreciate the email, Mike. Hey, run an Andy in the car, doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive.